This is the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. I'm Molly Wistie, and I'm a chainsaw carver coming to you from northern Minnesota. This is actually our third episode. If you didn't hear the first couple episodes, be sure to go and check out the episode with Steve Higgins and also the second episode with Jeff Moore. Today I'm really excited because we are going to get to talk to Heather Bailey. Heather Bailey is a chainsaw carver in Alabama. And Heather also has Woodlot Artisans with her husband, Justin. And today we're actually going to talk to Heather about uh, what it's like to be a female chainsaw carver. And also a little bit about opening uh, a gallery or a retail space. So let's go ahead and bring Heather on. All right, guys, I have Heather Bailey here from Alabama. And Heather is also with Woodlot Artisans. Heather, do you want to say hello? Hello. All right. So, Heather, you we're going to talk a little bit today about kind of being a female chainsaw carver and kind of what that entails. And then also a little bit about opening like a gallery or a, a space, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first question I was going to ask you is, how did you actually get started chainsaw carving? Like, what's your story? Um, so I guess it kind of starts with my mom, actually. She started chainsaw carving when I was about eight years old. Um, she was a fine artist and, uh, just kind of had a hard time selling her stuff. And I grew up in California. We'd go up to Big Bear, California all the time. And she saw these big chainsaw carvers, uh, pretty husky, you know, tough looking dudes carving big. And she was like, I can do that. And so that was kind of the start. And I feel like my mom's pretty wild. Uh, maybe a little on the crazy side. I like to think <laughs> she was the crazy one. I guess I'm trying to say that. I'm not crazy at all. But um, <laughs> she started carving. And I just grew up with it, going to competitions and being around it. And all all the people that are like heavy hitters and amazing artists now, I remember when they started. It's been an amazing lifetime journey. Um, it's not like I started off always wanting to be a chainsaw carver. I actually, people would ask me, do you want to be a chainsaw carver like your mom? And I would always tell them, heck no, I do not want to do that. I want to be a high powered businesswoman and wear a pencil skirt. And that's going to be my thing. I didn't exactly know what it entailed, but I really was not into the arts. I, I don't know what happened there. I kind of, I just like, I think life paths and stuff, sometimes you just meet people and, and they really leave a huge impress, impression on you. And mm-hmm. um, so I really wasn't interested in chainsaw carving. Um, I was going to the local college and everything, just kind of doing my own thing. I thought maybe I would get into like media. I was doing an apprenticeship. Well, it was like an internship. Um, I was a weather girl for like a year and oh wow, um, yeah, I was just going to school, getting all my general ed done. And then, um, my mom was good friends with Conrad Sandoval and his family and his wife, Justine and everything. And, um, so she was always inviting them over and I was always like kind of negative about it. I'd be like all oh, those crazy hippies and <laughs> I didn't really want to have anything to do with it. And, um, I don't know. I, I really started 
it's funny because I, I started going to church more and like reading my Bible more and really seeking God and like what he wanted me to do. And, mm-hmm. um, it was just kind of through a series of events. They came out, I think it was for Thanksgiving. And I was like, Oh, they're not so bad. Like, I don't know. For some reason I just kind of started connecting with them a little bit more. And then, yeah. um, uh, my brother, he was going to go do missionary work with them. And so then we got even kind of closer that way because now my brother's like connected with them and he was going to go to Mexico with them and all this stuff. And so we were waiting for my brother to leave and go with them and um, kind of making all those connections and stuff. And then Stephen Higgins showed up at my house and we're the same age. And so okay, he just left a really big impression on me. And I was like, wow, this guy, he like really knows what he wants. And he's at that point, I think he'd been carving for like eight years or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, wow, I've never been dedicated to anything for that long. You know, like right, all my 18 years of life. <laughs> so um, it was really encouraging. And so then um, kind of fast forward. We ended up going to, uh, so my brother was in Mexico with them for like a year. And then I was, I ended up in Mexico. I did like a sabbatical from school and, um, mm-hmm. was doing missionary work out there and helping out. They had like, um, they were really going for the, like the indigenous people and trying to help them out and stuff. Anyway, it was a really amazing experience. And I, Conrad was like, well, we fund this through chainsaw carving. And um, it just really blew my mind how it all kind of went together. Um, my my mom had always had kind of financial troubles and stuff because of the art and everything. So that was a big reason why I didn't want to do it. But mm-hmm. I was like, wow, you know, they're they're doing it and they seem to be doing pretty well and stuff. Um, so so maybe I maybe it would be, you know, OK to try it. I'm like, honestly, up until that point, all I ever did was clean the saws and sharpen them. And like, I never even, you know, tried to start one or anything like that. And uh, they would talk about chainsaw carving, the competitions and everything. And of course, I I could talk about it because I always went to all of them. Or not all of them, but as many as my mom could go to. And uh, so it was just kind of cool. It was like, well, and they're like, well, why don't you try? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should, you know. (laughs) And uh so I tried it out and I was just like so amazed at how, how, uh, what is the, like, accomplished you feel? Like, I think mm-hmm. my first carving was a tree. And I was just like, I can't believe I made that. Like, this is something sure. that I did. Nobody helped me. I did it on my own and I was just so proud of it. And I would tell my friends, I'd be like, yeah, I chainsaw carved. And, and then they would get all excited about it, which before I was like kind of, I guess, down on it. I'd be like, yeah, my mom's a chainsaw carver and whatever. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then when I did it, it turned into something completely different. And uh, it just kind of, I never, I never ended up, I never quit. Like I, I think since then I would carve like every three days or something. I picked it up and I would just, it was hard. It was really, really hard. But uh, just that feeling, like I just never wanted to let it go. So every, every few days I'd like quit and be like, I'm never doing it again. And then I'd be like, well, maybe I'll make one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, it's so cool to hear people's story and just how different people get into it different ways. Yeah, yeah. I hear some people's stories and it's just like, oh, yeah, you just have this like insane like journey finding your yourself and now you're going to be a chainsaw carver or my story's like <laughs> I feel like mine was you like a trickle it. story. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Finally one day I just decided that maybe I maybe I will be de- dedicated to this. <laughs> maybe I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I guess the rest was just kind of history. Um, I mean, of course it helped. So I went through all that, and I started getting interested, and, and I kept picking up a saw and just kind of um, – I'd ask Conrad for, you know, little hints and stuff there, here and there. And he was like, mm-hmm. well, how about, like, how about I just teach you how to chainsaw carve? And, um, you know, at the time he was still considered, like, the nation's best. And yeah. so I was just like – how do you turn that down? I mean, nobody gets to have, have some kind of opportunity to just fall on their lap. Like, Hey, here's the nation's best, whatever. Do you want to learn what I know? <laughs> right. So I know in, in my experience, carvers have been so great about helping and teaching. So that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it's so true because my mom would learn so much every time she went to a competition and everyone would just share and, it, it was really incredible. It's just so much, um, like, I guess kind of a brotherhood, sisterhood kind of thing. Yeah. So um, going back into, like, female carvers specifically, there's starting to be more and more female carvers. So what are some of the advancements in our art form or what are things that have really helped female carvers? Yeah, I... From watching my mom, so she used to have, like, this chainsaw called, like, the Bucky Beaver or something like that, and it would just shake <laughs> the heck out of her. It was insane. Yeah. You know, and no carving bars, no nothing, and I don't even know if it had a chain break on this thing. And so I'm, like, watching my mom. She's got a lot of nerve damage and stuff because of all the vibrations, and um, she's just a really tough woman, you know, but she's suffering her health is suffering from it and everything. Cause she was so determined, but now sure. I feel like, um, the saws are, they don't shake that much. You know, there's so much anti vibe, so you don't get worn out as fast. They're lighter. They're more powerful. Um, all the carving bars, they really help. You know, you're not having to make, you know, one cut doesn't take you a thousand times cause you can't turn the, the, um, bar in the wood. Um, so mm-hmm. different things, and then, of course, technique, um, like, and I've watched other, I, I watched men carve similar to my style. Like, if they're smaller, they're not so, like, husky. Um, we mm-hmm. tend to use our body. Like, it's a full-on, instead of just trying to let our arms do all the work, we're, like, using our thighs a lot, you know, using just kind of, um, you know, different stances that really help you get through some different cuts and stuff like that. And so I think right. I think some of it comes with just time and kind of learning your style of how to make it easier on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all the the battery powered stuff is such a huge leap because now I offer chainsaw carving classes to like fifty year old women, and 
they're like, oh, yeah, that was great. That was so fun, you know, and it's not a big deal for them to start the saw. They just push a button. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would make, that does make a big difference. Because I know on, on everything else in my life, I can get electric start, you know, if I need it. Uh-huh. Like if we have a fishing boat motor that I can't start or a lawnmower that I can't start, you can just get electric start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, like, my, the big obstacle for me, like, the first year, um, it probably, I swear, like, the whole time, it was just trying to develop enough muscle to just start my saws. Like, I would get, I would finally get the saws started, and then I have to sit down and rest, because I was so wore out from trying to get the thing started, now I don't have any energy to carve. (laughs) Right. Like, I would get so mad, and then if your saws, you know, acting up or whatever, then just forget it. Yeah, I know. I have noticed. I haven't been carving nearly as long, but um, early on, I had problems starting my saws, and they seem to be getting easier and easier to start. And now I know a lot of my saws have like the I don't know what you call it, the compression button. Mm, yeah, yeah. That it takes some of the compression off the saw, and it makes it so much easier too. Yeah, I think that helps a ton. Yeah. Yeah, and I love, like you were talking about with the carving bars, some of those Japanese bars, you can just see them bend in the wood when you're cutting. Oh, my God. So it, they make incredible cuts. Oh, that's so cool. I'm <laughs> I'm still, I guess, a little old school. Like, I, I've just only used Canon bars. Yeah. And was kind of exper- experimenting with, a, I think, a Sugihara. But I didn't have it on my saw. And I'm very, like, these are my tools. Don't touch them. <laughs> right. Oh, somebody, somebody set me up with a Sugihara bar a while back and I'll never forget. Like I had it, I had it in the wood and I just started to turn this on. It just flexes in the wood and I couldn't make a cut like that with anything else. So now I have to have one. (laughs) That's That's the first time I've even. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. Every time you have a a conversation with another carver, how much you actually learn. I'm just like, Oh, I got to go get one now. (laughs) I know. That's why I love going to events and just being with people. It, yeah, it's incredible. Sometimes there's even local events that I'm not in. I'll just go visit just to talk with people. Oh, that's so great. We're um, we're still developing that local market here, and so we're like we're we're the big party. We're it. <laughs> yeah. So one of these that's great. days we'll get to pop into maybe someone else's event. That would be nice. <laughs> I, I know I've talked about this on other podcasts before too, but I, you know, I grew up with the big hack and sack event. I live, I live right there. And so for the first few years of my carving life, all the great carvers were coming to my hometown. Oh, wow. And that was incredible. I didn't have to go anywhere. You know, I just went down the street and yeah. everybody was right there. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you and me have both had the had a major advantage then. Yes. Yeah, just watching and learning and even just talking with them. They're great at sharing. So um, another question I was going to ask you, what challenges have you come across as a female carver? Like what things have you run into? Uh, well, we talked about like the physical aspect. That was that was really hard to overcome. Um and now for me, just as I'm getting older and, you know, having a family and it's daycare. 
Oh, yeah. I feel like that's like my most major obstacle daycare. And then I just got a lift gate on my truck. And so that really helped me out a ton. Um, but <laughs> it's sometimes it's more of just like utility stuff. Um, I think another one would be like sales because I, I have a hard time getting getting through like if I go to a competition I have a hard time finishing my sculpture and talking to people and so I miss out oh, on sure. sales and I don't know I don't know if that's just an everybody problem thing or if that's just the because I'm trying to catch up with everyone that I have to kind of mm -hmm. put extra effort into getting my piece done so that means less less talking to people right yeah, no, I definitely have the challenges with the kiddos, too. We've been trying to, a little bit in the summer, travel to a lot of chainsaw carving events that are family-friendly, and I just bring everybody along and try to make sure that the kids are having fun and not just sitting in a parking lot waiting for me to carve. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's why we actually just went out to Ocean Shores, because... Eric and the kids were hanging out on the beach and flying kites and they thought it was just as much for them as it was for me. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that always works out. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But the day to day, um, it, you'd have to carve a lot just to cover daycare costs. So yeah. that would be tough. Yeah. So right now I'm actually going through that and it's just, I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of putting it in God's hands and seeing where it ends up going. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's happened a couple of times where I just had to just set carving aside for a little while. And it's funny because it's like, it breaks my heart. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's just like, I have to kind of talk myself through it and be like, it's okay. It's not going to be for forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes I think like, I'll just carve when Eric gets home, but then I'm going, but then I miss out on Eric you know, right. <laughs> like, oh, you're home, all right, I'm going to run out and carve, yeah. we'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, it's tough with that um, work-home-life balance. I, I'm i definitely, like, I, I've, before I would just run out and go carve, and Justin's like, well, what the heck, you know, don't you care about me? <laughs> right. So I think I'm finally getting it. I don't, I don't do that to him quite as often. Yeah. I know, too, I've had to be really careful, and and again, I don't know if this is a specifically female thing, but um, like making sure I get carvings lifted up so I'm not constantly bending over. I think this is an everybody thing. Yeah. You know, because if you're working, if you're working bent over, even if it doesn't hurt at the time, by the end of the day, man, you really have wrecked your back. Mm -hmm. And just kind of being aware of those things is a big deal. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So my mom, she was she's she was like infamous for putting everything really, really low. And now she's really yeah. for it. And um, that was one of the big, big things that Conrad taught me. He was like, you need to be carving up here. He's like, I know it hurts. Cause I'd be like, but I don't, I don't have the muscle. I don't have the arm strength to hold the saw up so high. It's funny. Cause now I think about yeah. it and I'm like, really, I thought that way. That's really dumb. But <laughs> when you're going through yeah. developing your style and your, you know, the way that you're going to do everything, sometimes you just kind of make bad moves and it's like it's you can't repair that later on so I'm really glad I had that good advice and just got the muscle I just had to suck it up you know right 
Yeah, it's definitely better to work your arm muscles than your back. <laughs> I actually do a lot of um, exercises to strengthen my core. And I've got a huge difference. Like if I do leg lifts and that, that kind of thing, um, it's it's amazing just the difference. And I don't like I don't have any I'm I'm pain free right now, like knock on wood or whatever. But I'm so thankful yeah. I've been carving for 13 years. And I don't have half the back problems that my friends have. And I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know, what caused theirs or whatever, but I've definitely mm -hmm. ran mine through the ringer. I know like being, I, I feel like I lift a lot of stuff, but I lift with my legs or I find creative ways to get it lifted. Um, I, I carve with stuff, like I said, at a good height. And then like you said, I do, I do a lot of like core core exercises and then my um if my legs get tight my back hurts so I stretch a lot or do like a lot of yoga oh, after after carving and that helps a lot too like if I keep everything kind of stretched out then it doesn't pull on my back mm -hmm. I'm definitely I'm learning that right now I'm having problems with my hamstrings and I just have to keep yeah it's funny because you forget you just get tired and just want to go to sleep <laughs> I know if I don't stretch my hamstrings, then I feel it in my back. So, so another thing I want to talk to you about, I know you um, opened a gallery recently and then you guys decided to close it. Do you have any advice for carvers that are thinking about starting a gallery or a retail space? Oh, wow. It felt like every day there was like um, a couple lessons to learn. And you, you know, add that all up throughout the year that we had that gallery open. Uh, I feel, I, I don't know if anyone could ever be prepared. It's kind of like, does anyone, is everyone, anyone ever prepared for parenthood? It feels like it transfers yeah. the same way for opening a gallery. And um, we had, we were just so far off on how we thought it would go and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if we were just pie in the sky and totally unrealistic or if it's um, a mistake that a lot of people make. But my takeaway is do your research. Um, really, like, if you feel like your budget is just enough, then it's definitely not enough. Um, we started off, like, just to kind of throw some numbers out there. And I don't know if we were just like really dumb or what, but we thought that we could run our business on $5,000 a month. It was like five or 6,000 because rent was close to that. And then we we're like, Oh, how many bills could we incur, you know, in just one, one month. But what we ended up doing is we got into a building that was far too big and then mm -hmm. we couldn't fill it up. And then um, it was just kind of problem after problem. Like make sure you trust your landlord that they have references because not only are you being interviewed, like interview them. Um, cause we ended up getting like almost getting sued like twice because of our landlord. And then, oh, no. um, and we thought she was like, I mean, she was really sweet, but when it came down to like working with other people, it just wasn't possible. She was just really, um, hard to please. And like, we decided the only way we could survive in that location was to bring in other business owners, but then we couldn't trust her. And so that, that caused a lot of problems. So, you know, having a solid landlord, 
um, having enough capital to start with. Um, we had thought, okay, if we start here, then we'll just make a bunch of money the first month we open. And we were thinking we were going to make like thousands and thousands of dollars and we made like a tenth of it. <laughs> Yeah. And so instead of having the startup capital that we really needed, we didn't have it. And then um, we had another, like, we had one employee. It was my brother-in-law. And he just, we weren't good at training. We we didn't understand how important that part was. And so I think mm -hmm. if somebody um, already has an apprentice or already has somebody who really knows what's going on and really fully understands what they need to do day to day, like has a good grasp on marketing and customer relations because they're, they're going to be multiple hats. Um, you really have to have some, some, someone who's very well-rounded in all those kind of things. And um, by the time we, we decided we were probably going to close our doors, it felt like he was finally getting the training he needed, but then it was like too little too late. And so that was yeah. kind of hard and it was, it was a little discouraging, you know, on the day to day stuff. And, uh, we, we really, we probably asked too much from someone who just wasn't quite, um, qualified or ready for the position. And so that was, that was a hard lesson too. Sure. But, um, it kind of depends on like, I think keeping your rent low is so important we had our rent was really, really high. And so we basically were just work. I mean, we worked for free. We didn't, I think we pulled a paycheck maybe one month out of the whole ordeal. Sure. So. I know there was a space in a town kind of close here to us. And I, I'm like, Oh, that would be, that would be so cool. And, and we we're not even close to thinking about having a gallery, but just dreaming about it. And Eric's going, well, that's in town. So do you know how much the in-town taxes are plus like this monthly payment yeah. plus, and he just started, he started rattling off all this stuff and I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot of carving. <laughs> yeah, oh. We had it in our heads that we could do like six carvings a day and that would be fine. And we just, uh, yeah, but the cool thing was, and so, yeah, we kind of had some negative stuff, but we really, we learned so much that, <laughs> I mean, call us crazy, but we'll probably try to do it again, whether we open a carving shop or another business. Um, but we were like sure. really encouraged. And I think that more people should open carving shops and just be aware of how they should do it. And that will be fine. Um, but we pulled in. We felt like we did really, really well for how much money we were pulling in. It was just the expenses that really sucked. But um, right, it was just people would walk in and I loved it because they took you seriously. You didn't have to try to, you know, Oh, well you can trust, me. you know, like earning their trust was just simple. It was like a snap. And because right. you had that location, you look established. Yes. And I, I really, really enjoyed that part of it. I couldn't believe some of the people that walked in and who we met. And, um, it was just, it really was like, it was a really good, good time day to day. I really enjoyed the um, dealing with customers and stuff. I know some people kind of complain about customers, but for the most part, as long as they're not suing you, I pretty much like them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, 
Well, that's good that you felt like a lot of it was positive. I know people, customers contact me and they ask if they can come to my gallery. And I'm like, well, I just carve in the woods <laughs> with the poison ivy and the mosquitoes. So you can come out here if you want, but bring your bug spray and wear boots. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's about where I'm at right now. So I'm like back in the backyard carving again. Like you gotta watch yeah. out for ticks. <laughs> just yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, nobody's coming out here unless I'm teaching somebody. I even then I'm still like right now I'm working on a venue where I can teach people in more um uh-huh. I guess that setting kind of having that nice uh backdrop of whatever you choose to do. I'm working with a winery and they're just beautiful. And so I think there'll be more of a draw, you know, kind of like the Mother's Day, Father's Day crowd and like the. Yeah. And that's why I like I really want to encourage more people to do classes because there's a couple of times a year where people just go nuts and they'll buy whatever. And it's like, well, take advantage mm-hmm. of it. You know, you can teach a couple of people, make make some money that maybe you normally wouldn't. And then it's just such a good, a good and rewarding experience. And usually during kind of the slower season, because it's like the Christmas crowd, but they don't start coming in until January is when they usually expect to take Mm -hmm. the class because they want all the holiday stuff to be done with. And then um, Mother's Day, I mean, for us, May is pretty slow. And I was surprised my my Mother's Day crowd was pretty good. (laughs) Okay. So, so are you getting other people coming around at the winery when you're teaching classes or are people taking classes that are there for other things? Or It's more of, um, I think it's better to just advertise it online and, you know, Facebook mm-hmm. page. Um, and then right now I'm working with a local, it's, um, like an artist council kind of thing. And so I'm working with them. They yeah. already have a big group of people that love taking classes. So we're just going to set up a class and people, so my schedule is on my website and then people just sign up for whatever dates they want and whatever class is scheduled. And then they come out to the location that I have it. Okay. I know, I don't know if this is big everywhere, but I know by us we have like, um, they call them like art pub crawls or, you know, those painting groups. Uh And then now it's kind of evolved into like they they do wine and painting or something and now it's kind of evolved into their painting and doing like wooden signs oh okay so so they use wood as a canvas and those are huge around here people are so excited to go to those courses where they can actually create and it would almost be cool just to piggyback off of stuff like that and just take it one step further into into the sculpture oh yeah that's a really good idea i don't know of anybody doing that um but i started doing feather classes and I was like oh how lame I think just because maybe looking at it through eyes of someone who's done it for a long time but people went nuts over my feather classes and I was like to me it's like the most simple thing to do but it's getting them an art piece that they can accomplish and they're really proud of it and everything and it's only like maybe a half hour to 45 minute class and sure. so if you get four people to sign up and you charge each of them a hundred bucks, it's not a bad half a day. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, if you can 
take away some of that fear or bring in more females using the battery operated saws, you know, to, to, take away some of their anxiety at the beginning that would be cool yeah and it really does it really does work I was um it's funny because maybe I get a little too excited if like a lady is doing really well I'm like please come back (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're probably like whoa whoa okay (laughs) you probably don't understand how well you're doing (laughs) right so I was going to ask you too, and we've been talking about this and I think it's coming through, but you've really been an advocate for getting more people carving um, and you've started these carving classes. So what do you think a chainsaw carving class needs to have or what's important about a chainsaw carving Oh class? yeah. Um, the first thing is like safety and making sure that they know what they're supposed to be wearing and how the saw works, you know, the chain break and Um, when I first started doing the classes, I guess I I made a lot of assumptions about my students and how much they actually knew. And so I would, Mm -hmm. I would do it, but I wouldn't really, I guess, put a a solid emphasis on the different things. And so then we would get out there to carve and I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, what I didn't realize, you know, when you said you cut wood, I I thought you knew what you were doing. (laughs) So, So now when I, start off my classes it's just all around you know making sure that I'm heard and that you know eyes are on me and I'm telling them the different safety features you know and the eye protection ear protection you know chaps all that stuff so I guess I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit more strict on it now and I would say that if someone else started a class that definitely have that have sign off forms um I have a little form and it's, you know, it's making them aware that chainsaws are dangerous and it's also a picture sign off. And so you can get photos of them with their permission. So it's just kind of more of like a consent form kind of thing. And that just comes in so handy when you're trying to promote yourself. You don't have to worry about um, who's in your pictures and if you're going to get in trouble later on and stuff. So I just feel more comfortable having that form. And then Another Mm -hmm. thing, what I like to do is I have a little page and I kind of go through like the block out process with them looking at a picture and it might be kind of over their head at the moment, but I feel like maybe later on after a few times practicing or whatever, um, that it'll kind of start to click. And so I'll do, you know, the on paper and then the practical where they're actually hands on. Um, and when I'm doing my classes, I found that everyone hands down wants me to carve the whole carving first and then do a step-by-step and everyone feels like that's a really great benefit um, when they see it all the way through and that way it's not just you know we're only focusing on you know making these weird cuts that don't make any sense to them at the time I think having confidence that it's going to turn into something in the end just be patient. Right. So. Well, that's a good tip. I don't I don't know if I've ever done done it that way before, but that makes sense. Yeah, I've been trying to choose I guess more simple carvings and stuff, something that I can carve in about 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. then so you go through it like it's funny cuz you go through it with them and it's like, "Oh wow, it only took you 10 minutes." And they expect they're going to only take 10 minutes, but then, you know, here you are an hour or two later, <laughs> on them right. step by step. 
but uh you know that's what it takes and i feel like that's that's how the i feel like that's the best way that it will stick sure i know i just i just taught someone how to carve an owl and um it i mean she, and she was doing great but it does take a lot of patience and you know thinking back to how slow i used to carve mm-hmm. an owl and uh but going through it with her step by step um and you know it was taking her quite a while to make her cuts and stuff and her owl turned out incredible and i think she's going to be great at carving but i had to be very patient <laughs> cuz like you said it it probably took four or five times longer than than i would have thought but yeah, te- teachers definitely have. Patience. Oh my gosh, I'm learning a lot. Like, I'm I'm still. I feel like I need to take a class on how to tell someone that they're holding the saw wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, "Yeah, you just hold it like this," and then they go to do it, and it's just all wrong. And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> right, and then if you're using gas saws, now try to tell them that they have it wrong while the saw's running, and everybody's got earmuffs on. Oh my and- <laughs> That's true. I my my last classes I've only done battery powered and so if they're not on the trigger it's quiet. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. No, you you'd almost need some kind of system where you could speak and it would go into all their earmuffs. Oh, I, <laughs> that would be a good idea. That's funny. <laughs> it's it has to exist. Yeah, right? I know it. If it doesn't then I think you've got a million dollar idea. Right. Except I can't do it. <laughs> so, um, do you, like, if you were talking to new carvers, do you have any other tips for them, like, getting started? Um, yeah, I mean, join, join a local class. Find somebody who's teaching it. And I feel like a lot of people, they, they want to learn, but they don't want to put maybe the money into it. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you don't have the money, put the time into it. And because whoever you're learning from, that carver's time is valuable. And whether you give them money to teach you or whether you give them time to teach you, both of them are incredibly valuable. And what I did, I didn't have the money to learn, but I had the time. And so my apprenticeship was four years. And I I really dedicated to that. And time and time again, I mean, I guess it just stuck really good or something, but all of a sudden I'll get hung up on something and I'll just be kind of standing there staring at my carving and all of a sudden it's like the answer just comes. And I know that didn't come out of nowhere. That came out of the learning, the the opportunity that I had. And it's so incredibly valuable. I feel like maybe people don't see that because it's not a tangible thing right away. But here I am, I did mm-hmm. that for four years and, you know, worked for free. But 13 years later, yeah. I still I'll get hung up on something and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I need to do. I mean, how do you put a a, a value on that? So I think just um, if you're going to learn from somebody, be all in, be dedicated and do it and find out what they sure. need. You know, if they need if they. If they do it uh, with money, then, you know, pay money or ask them if they'd be willing to do an apprenticeship or something where you just trade time. But um, I know so many, everyone's so generous in the carving world and stuff. I mean, there's just 
easy. Like, yeah, let's make it work. We're problem solvers. So. Right. Yeah, it is great. So is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? Anything else you want to add? Um, well, I think it's great that you're carving and I'm just super excited to see more women getting into it and then kind of adding these different aspects like you're doing this podcast. I'm just so thrilled. I feel like the, the carving world needs more um, appreciation and awareness because it's such a unique yeah. kind of thing. I know. I agree. I actually just have, I have a piece in this local sculpture walk and um, they're like, well, we've, we've never had a chainsaw carver, you know, or maybe they had once or something and there's all different forms of sculpture. And I'm thinking, and, and it's not them, but just in, there's so many chainsaw carvers in my area. So I wonder like, why is it not viewed as sculpture? You know, and so I agree. I, I think it really needs more respect and more awareness. And yeah. yeah, I love the direction it's going. I love how people are picking it up. And it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's just uh, like a folk art anymore. Although, like, I, I love the folk art feel, but not everybody wants that in their mm-hmm. home. Like, that's not my style. And I just. I would love mm-hmm. to see other people kind of taking it and running with it and turning it into, I guess, like w- what uh, all the other art forms are, you know, and just experimenting with it where not everyone is really just copying each other anymore. I think there was a time where, where that there was a heck of a lot of that going on. Um, right. Yeah, like within painting, there's so many different styles, and I'm seeing that in chainsaw carving, like you said, people are developing their own unique style and or, you know, pulling their ideas from outside the chainsaw carving world and bringing it in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing where it goes, and I hope that if anyone, you know, out there wants to to talk to me and, um, you know, maybe learn a little bit of the I guess women chainsaw carving world's perspective or anything like that. I'm definitely open to have a chat. Great. That sounds good. And I know I loved being able to talk to you like this more extensively because we carved together last year at the, the U S open there in Eau Claire. But when, like you said, there's not a lot of time to talk, no, right? When you're in, in a competition. I was so stoked. Yeah. I'm like, I was carving with you and then, um, Jamie's wife, um, Lisa, yeah, Lisa. Yes. Uh, I was so excited yep. to be carving with you guys. And then like, we never got to talk the entire time, but maybe like 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Or just a little bit in the evening. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting when you have such a, a loud form of art. <laughs> right. I can just imagine like painters that can hang out next to each other the whole day and really, really get to talk to each other. Right. No, yeah, we're just communicating through like <laughs> nods and thumbs up and like you have no you're going, yeah, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> but hey, we're really animated because we've got to communicate like through an entire crowd. <laughs> right. Well, it's been great talking with you, Heather. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited when you asked me to come join you. Good. All right. We'll talk to you All again right. soon. Bye. Bye. I want to thank you guys for being here with us today and for listening. 
If you want to learn more about Heather, you can check out Heather Bailey on Facebook. You can also check out Woodlot Artisans on Facebook, or you could go to woodlotartisans.com, and that's also where you can find out more about the carving classes that Heather offers if you're interested in those at all. Um, If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to rate it wherever you're listening and make sure and share it with others so we can get the word out. I look forward to interviewing more people in the future. It's a really fun way to learn from carvers from all over the place. So I hope this has helped you feel a little bit more connected to the carving world and that you learned something today. I know I did. Talk to you later.